Welcome to our podcast. I'm Pastor Mark Voss. Today, as we continue our sermon series, Uncovered, our Lord shows us his will for the way in which we interact with other people, especially those who have wronged us. Our sermon today is based on Romans chapter 12, verses 14 through 21, and our message is entitled, Interactions Uncovered. May God bless you as you hear and take to heart the truths of his holy word. This morning's epistle reading and also the words of our sermon text today from Romans chapter 12, verses 14 through 21. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who are rejoicing. Weep with those who are weeping. Have the same respect for one another. Do not be arrogant, but associate with the humble. Do not think too highly of yourselves. Do not pay anyone back evil for evil. Focus on those things that everyone considers noble. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, maintain peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For by doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Grace and peace be yours in abundance to the knowledge of God and of Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. My dear family in Christ, when's the last time that you've been on the receiving end of a loaded question? Well, don't worry, it happened to Jesus too on a number of occasions. Told about one of those instances in Matthew chapter 22 when the Pharisees sent an expert in the law to try and trap Jesus with a question. Almost like asking a parent, so which of your children do you love the most? The expert in the law asked Jesus, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Remember how Jesus answered? He said that the greatest commandment is this, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And Before the expert in the law could react to his answer or to ask a follow-up question, Jesus went on to say, and the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Love God above all else, love your neighbor as yourself. Now, the first of those two commands, love God, that makes perfect sense, right? What's not to love? He is kind and merciful and gracious and forgiving. His love for us is as unconditional as it is perfect. He never fails us, even though we fail him on a daily basis. So love God above all else? Sure, makes perfect sense. That second command? 
to love others as we love ourselves? All other people? That's not nearly so easy, is it? So it's natural for us to want to start to look for some loopholes. Or at the very least, to start putting some limits on just how we have to show love to other people. And it leads us to wonder, how far does this Christian love that we're to have for others really go? Well, as it turns out, friends, it goes a whole lot further than we're often comfortable with making it go. Today our Lord uncovers for us some powerful truths about our interactions with other people, loving others, especially loving those who've mistreated us. And I want to take some time today to walk through these verses of our text, one verse at a time, to better understand how it is that the Lord is calling on us to interact with others. But before we do that, I want us to understand something about these words from our Lord. He's not just speaking in theory. He really wants us to do the things that he's calling on us to do in our text. And I also want us to understand that what the Lord is asking us to do this morning is not easy. It's incredibly difficult. I mean, think about it now in some practical terms. Parents, what does it look like for you to love that teenage kid who has been mean to your child on a daily basis? What does it look like for someone to forgive their brother-in-law who has cheated on their sister? What does it look like to love that person whom you used to be good friends with before you had this massive falling out, and then that friend posted some really terrible things about you on Facebook? What does it look like to love them when you suddenly bump into them at the store? What does it look like for parents seated in a courtroom to to stare for the first time at the drunk driver who killed one of their children? This isn't easy. This is difficult. Love your neighbor, that neighbor, as yourself? Those are some interactions uncovered. The other thing that I want us to understand this morning is is that the Lord here is not, loving others is not an emotion that the Lord is asking us to feel. It's rather treating them, interacting with them, in Christ-like love. And so verse 14 says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. When someone persecutes you, makes life difficult for you, says horrible things about you, the Lord says, bless them. That word in the Greek literally means to speak good to them. It's really calling upon God to bless them by bestowing on them Good things, his favor. That's hard to do. And that is absolutely offensive to our human nature. Not only are we to do no harm to those who have done evil to us, but the Lord calls on us to ask him for blessing on their behalf. Verse 15, rejoice with those who are rejoicing. 
Weep with those who are weeping. The Lord is teaching us that interacting with others in Christ-like love calls for empathy, to identify with those who are on either end of the happiness scale at any given moment. Make it about them, not about you. Verse 16 says, Have the same respect for one another. Do not be arrogant, but associate with the humble. Do not think too highly of yourselves. See, it's part of our fallen nature to always want to put ourselves first. But doing that is only going to get in the way of us loving our neighbors as ourselves, to say the least. If we think too highly of ourselves, we might be selective in those to whom we're going to show some Christian love. We will be tempted to only treat well those people that we think can treat us well in return. But that's not the way it is in the kingdom of God. Put the good of everyone else, the Lord teaches us, ahead of your own good. Verses 17 through 19 focus on purging us of our thoughts of revenge when we've been wronged. We're told do not pay anyone back evil for evil. Focus on those things that everyone considers noble. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, maintain peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. This is really difficult. This is completely contrary to the way in which we're naturally wired as sinners. Some years ago, recording artist Carrie Underwood released a song called Before He Cheats. It's a song about a woman who is exacting revenge by grabbing a baseball bat and doing some damage to the beloved truck of her ex-boyfriend whom she discovered had been cheating on her. If you've ever watched that video or really listened to that song, You find yourself thinking, yes, exactly. You know what? That's what happens to people who cheat. He's just getting what he deserves. Please realize, though, that's the exact opposite of what the Lord is calling on us to do in these words of our text. Yeah, I I know, it's just a song. But really, isn't that art imitating life? That song, that video strikes a chord because our natural reaction to to being wrong is to get revenge, to make sure that the people who did such evil to us get paid back for what they've done. But now take that step a step further. Friends, think about this. That just shows the hypocrisy of our sinful hearts. To exact revenge means this. It means that we are happy to receive God's grace and his forgiveness into our hearts and lives. We are happy to, we rejoice about the fact that God chooses not to treat us as our sins deserve. But when it comes to others, when they've mistreated us, then we want that same Lord to be okay with us giving them back what they deserve. See the hypocrisy there? Instead, the Lord is calling on you to replace your desire for the revenge with the desire to do good to others. You know, it's helpful for us to remember that God is always in charge even when evil people do evil things. He's still in charge. To remember that revenge isn't our call. 
To remember that the Lord is not asking us to set right every single situation that we face in life. Christians interact with love. We strive to live peaceably with everyone and leave the rest up to the Lord. Verse 20. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For by doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. In fact, Paul says, not only do we not seek revenge on those who have wronged us, we're to actively seek to do good to our enemies. And in so doing, he says, we'll be heaping burning coals on his head. You know, sometimes we talk about taking the high road when someone has wronged us, or we talk about being the bigger person. But if we really stop and think about that, isn't that often driven by a desire to glorify ourselves, to be able to say to ourselves, see, I really am a better person than he or she is. That's a sinful approach. Instead, by doing good to those who've done evil to us, the resulting coals that are heaped on them are the coals of burning shame. The goal is not just to make them feel bad. The goal is for them to have a guilty heart and a guilty conscience so that they repent of their sin and turn back to the Lord. Interactions uncovered. It all comes to a sweeping conclusion in the final verse of our text, which says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Friend, if the evil that has been done to us leads us to repay it with evil revenge, done by us, then we've been overcome by evil. At the start of the sermon, I said that what the Lord is asking us to do here is not easy. It is difficult. How are we going to get mistreated, and we will, and yet respond in the way that the Lord here is calling on us to respond? There is only one way. By centering your life on the Lord Jesus Christ, your Savior. He is the one who overcame the worst evil with the highest good. Friend, please know this. Your Savior here isn't just telling you how to live. He literally lived it for you. In the face of persecution and mistreatment and injustice and evil like we will never know, what did Jesus do? He prayed for the very ones nailing him to the cross. He called upon God to bestow his favor on them, to bless them by forgiving them. Jesus, speaking through the pen of the Apostle Paul, is not just telling you here how to live. He's made it possible for you now to live that way. How? By going to the cross and taking all of our evil, all of our sins, all of our failures to interact with others in a Christ-like way. He took all of that on himself, and then he took it all away forever by dying on the cross as our substitute. That is the highest good. And here's the thing, that good, that grace, that mercy, that forgiveness that the Lord has shown to us is not just some lifeless, 
motionless, dead weight that sits somewhere inside of us. His grace lives in us. It moves in us. It draws us and and motivates us to be just as gracious, just as merciful, just as kind in our thoughts and words and actions as the Lord has been good and gracious and merciful and kind to us. In other words, if you want to be more Christ-like in your interactions with those who've done you wrong, then spend more time thinking about what God has done for you in Jesus Christ, your Savior. That's the key. I realize that I am not giving you breaking news this morning when I tell you that people are finding it hard to live peaceably with one another these days. Maybe you felt the sting of that in some very real and personal way. And admittedly, these ways of interacting with those who have mistreated us is completely foreign to the way that we're inclined to react. And to show love to those who have shown evil to you might be viewed as sheer weakness in the eyes of the world. But it's not. It's quite the opposite. This is done only in the incomparably great strength that our Savior Jesus provides. Loving our enemies, doing good to those who mistreat us, Clearly, the Lord is calling on us this morning to treat others the very opposite of what they deserve. You know, the way that God has treated you. Giving you the exact opposite of what you deserve. Friend, we call that treatment grace. May the Lord lead you back to his cross every single day, dear believer, to see the evidence there of his perfect, undying love for you. And as you receive that grace into your heart, may it not only save you, but may it strengthen you and motivate you and draw you to mimic his grace in your interactions with others. To bless as you've been blessed. To forgive as you've been forgiven to love as you've been loved in Christ Jesus. Amen.